powerful words, I tell you. Being that we're such a prophetic church, when we get going like this, it may go for a while. And uh, all right. I knew today was going to be a little different, and uh, I was going to be uh, following up on what I was sharing last week on Kingdom Faith, and uh, I've got a lot of notes. But even yesterday, I was telling Caleb, and and uh, I was saying, you know, because he was saying, well, you, will we have time for us? To, I said, listen, God's changing everything, so it doesn't really matter, you know. And so... Uh, so, you know, we only have, in the remaining three hours that we have together here today, we're going to, um, no. I just, I, there are a few things on my heart that I want to share, and uh, uh, because I believe that, you know, in recognizing what God's doing today, and, and Brenda and Alex's life, and Anna's life, and she's a, such a vital part of this church, you know, as a leader in the house there, and as John and Deidre, and, and what God's doing through them, they're really on the edge of of really the invisible in a way. And that's where, that's where faith comes in. You know, last week we talked about faith and what is faith a little bit. And we started talking about, you know, as the Apostle Paul in the book of Galatians wrote, he says it's, it's the, the life that I'm living now, the, the life that I'm involved in now. He says there's only one way to live it. There's only one way to live it. He says it's by faith. It's by faith. He says, he says in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, and part of it, he says, um, the life that I now live in the flesh, he says, I live by faith in the Son of God. And we understand that faith comes out of our relationship with Christ. It begins there, it continues there, and it ends there. Because in, in Hebrews 12, verse 2, it says that Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith. And we talked about that last week as one of the foundations is that, is that the moment that we come into a relationship with Christ, that faith is given. Faith is deposited within your life for the entirety of your life. That measure, that gift of faith is, is placed there for every one of us because God wants, He has a destiny upon every life in this room. You know, today we, we acknowledge, we, we see the calling of God upon John's life and Deirdre's life and, and Brenda and Alex's life, we see that, but really that call is upon every one of us. All right? Now, you, God may not have called you to pastor a church or something like that, but God has called you to be a minister of reconciliation wherever you're at. And so we could stand you all today and say, we're going to lay hands on you and we're going to ordain every one of you. Well, I don't care what your age is. It doesn't matter because you're all called of God. And we're called to live this life and to move in this life and to navigate in this life by faith, empowered by the Holy Spirit, but by faith. Amen? And uh, I, I wrote down somewhere here in my notes... <laughs> talks about faith. I wrote down, I, I saw this sort of little definition. I just thought how, how amazing this is. It says, faith is an inherent trust and enduring confidence in the power, wisdom, and goodness of God. Wow. So no matter where you're at, you know, because he's, he's the author and finisher of your faith, 
We understand that everything happens through him in our lives. That faith is that inherent trust, an enduring confidence. No matter what, doesn't matter what happens in our life, what we, what we face, what mountains we face, what things we go through is an enduring confidence. Amen? And it says also in Scripture, don't throw away your confidence. Don't cast away your confidence, which has great reward. Because your faith pleases God. And that's why Jesus, he was so, and you know, if you look in the Gospels, how many, how many times he honored those that had faith. He saw faith there, and he just brought such pleasure to his heart. You know, and he, and, and he, would, he would recognize, man, I, I've never seen as great a faith in all of Israel when you talked about the centurion. You know, he asked Jesus, would you go and, and heal my servant? But, you know, he said, because I'm a Gentile, you're not even worthy to come under my roof. But all you have to do is just speak the word, Jesus, because I understand. I'm a man under authority. And when I speak a word to my troops, they obey and they do exactly. So all you have to do is just speak a word. Just speak a word, Jesus, and it's settled. And Jesus was amazed, he said. In scriptures there is in, uh, in um, I'm trying to remember which scriptures. In. Here we go. In Matthew 8, that's right, Matthew 8, Jesus was amazed, and he just said, I've never seen faith like this in all of Israel. And it's just that inherent trust, that enduring confidence in the power and the wisdom and the goodness of God. And see, that's the very thing that the enemy wars against in our life. He wants to strip. He wants to discourage us. God wants to encourage us. So that our faith thrives. And that's the thing. I, I just, you know, as we, when Jesus says, I've come to give you life and give you life more abundantly, he speaks of a life. He speaks of a kingdom that we are to walk in. And, I, and, and, and I, all I want as a pastor, what I, want, I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you. Listen, man, you've got strong faith. You could do anything in Christ. You could do anything in Christ. Because if he has placed his faith within you. It is enduring faith. It is overcoming faith. You know, it's powerful faith because it rests upon him. It always rests upon him. I love, last week I shared this quote out of A.W. Tozier, and he says, Every benefit flowing from the atonement of Christ comes to the individual through the gateway of faith, forgiveness, cleansing, regeneration, the Holy Spirit, all answers to prayer are given to faith, and received by faith, he says, there is no other way. And if there is no other way, then we need to be about how to strengthen our faith, how to grow in faith, how to exercise our faith, how to release our faith, because that's where God moves. That's where he moves. That's where he lives. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. So we said last week that Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. I believe that there's a passage in the Word of God in Matthew chapter 9, Zach, you could put that up. I know I'm just I'm hopping around here a little bit this morning. There we go. I love Matthew chapter 9 because it records six different miracles in this one chapter alone. Six different miracles. One of them just says that one of the, the mention of miracles is just that Jesus went into the city and he healed everyone. So how many miracles that was, how many healings, we don't even know. But there are six recorded instances that Jesus responded because he saw faith. 
he saw faith. And here it says that he had, he had just entered into the home of Jairus and his daughter who had died, and Jesus went in, and, you know, they had, they had, a, they had hired the whole group of mourners and things like that, and they're there, and they're weeping and crying, and, and Jesus walks in, and he just says, she's not, she's not dead, she's just asleep. And they all laughed at him, ridiculed Jesus. Listen, there are going to be times you're going to be ridiculed. There are going to be times you're going to be laughed at with the, with the, with the step of faith that you take. When you're on that edge and you see nothing in front of you, but all you have is a, something deep inside of you, the assurance of things hoped for, it says in Scripture. But you, there's also the evidence of things that's not even seen yet. But you've got something on the inside of you. You've got a word from God. You've got a picture. You see something. You know something. And you say, listen, I've got to do this. I've got to step out in faith and do this. And listen, we're, we're all... We all have the same stepping off point whenever God says, will you trust me? Will you trust me? We all have the same stepping off point. We all start at a place where you say, listen, I feel something, I see nothing. How many of us have, we've experienced that? You feel something, you know, it's real. It's like it's already happened, but you don't see the reality of it yet. And people ridicule, and they laugh, and they poke fun at you, and they go, oh, look at that. Aren't they so crazy? Aren't they so goofy, so crazy? You know, they, they're believing that this is going to be happening, but there's nothing there. You just keep believing. You keep trusting, because it will manifest, because it says that Jesus is not just the author, what, the person that puts that on the inside of you, but he is the finisher. He is the finisher of our faith. And he takes that thing, he takes that seed that's on the inside of you, and you plant that seed in the soil of impossibility, and you water that through your faith, and you water that through your prayers and your expectations, and Jesus says, I'm going to finish that out. I'm going to complete that in your life. And he does it every time. He does it every time. But here's this in Matthew chapter 9 here. Hallelujah. <laughs> Matthew chapter 9. It says that Jesus comes out of Jairus' house, and there's two blind men that apparently were, were there because they started following Jesus. And they started, started calling out, Jesus, have mercy on us. They wanted to be healed. They had, Jesus, have mercy on us. And you know, it, it's amazing how Jesus re replies. Have you found that sometimes that Jesus doesn't exactly reply the way you think he's going to reply? And Jesus doesn't talk about whether he has the the, the capacity to have mercy for them or not. But he answers with a question. He answers them, he turns to them, and he asks them a question in Matthew chapter 9, verse 27. And he said, as they were saying, Son of David, have mercy on us. And when he had come to, into the house, the blind man came to him, and Jesus said this. He asked him a question. He said, do you believe that I'm able to do this? Do you believe? That's, that's the one question that Jesus asked the blind man, it's the one question that he'll ask every one of us when we step out. Do you believe that I'm able to do this? Do you believe that I'm able to do this? And the blind man says, yes, we believe. We believe you're able to do this. And it says, he touched their eyes saying, according to your faith, 
let it be done to you. And their eyes were opened. They could see. No matter where you're at, where you're stepping off, the question will always come to you somewhere along that way. Do you believe I'm able to do this? Because faith is all about the understanding and the trust in Christ's ability to do. In Christ's ability to do. Always. Always. So when we step out into the impossible, we step out into the invisible. That's one of the foundations that we need to understand about faith. Faith is all about the invisible. It's all about the things you cannot see yet with your natural eyes. But you've got something inside your spirit here. You've got something churning. You've got something rolling on the inside. And you say, listen, I've got to do this. I've got to do this. And as you step out, Jesus says, do you believe that I'm able to do this? This past week, I want to share this testimony with you. Because I think testimonies are so important because it's like it frames something for us. See, when you... When you when you're at that place and you're, and you're looking into the invisible, and we all do, every one of us do, we've got to be able to see. We must be able to see beyond the invisible into the heavenly realm, into the reality of what Jesus has said. And we see in two manners, I believe. We see by recognizing the greatness of God. We recognize the greatness of God. And we know about the greatness of God because what His Word says, what testimonies come forth, what He's done in our life, the acts of God, the doings of God. But we, we, we've got to see every, every person of faith, every great man, every person I've ever read about that did amazing things, that changed the world, that changed their society, were men and women that saw into the invisible, but they saw the greatness of God. Their eyes were always upon the author and the finisher of my faith. Always upon the greatness of God. So when we step out, whatever it may be, you stepping out into the, impossible, the possibility of your finances, you stepping out into the impossibility of, of needing jobs, work, you step out into the impossibility of relationships or the impossibility of whatever it is, healings in your body, You've got to see a great God. You must see a great God. And the second thing is what you say, your words. Because our words frame the reality of where we're going. It frames the reality of where we're going. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 3 says this, Hebrews 11, verse 3 says, By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God. See, what God does, He continually he continues to do. And if God framed this world in reality of this creation by the things He spoke, He says, listen, as you step out into that invisible place of your life, you've got to frame the reality of what it's going to be like by the words that you speak. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God so that the things which are seen were not made out of the things which are visible. You've got to speak into the invisible. This past week, many of you know that Cindy's mom has been in ICU now 
going on seven weeks, I guess. Sweet Bessie Jo Frieda. <laughs> and she's an amazing woman, amazing woman of God. She has such tenacity. I love her. She has such strength. I just love. She is, her mind is sharp. And she is fighting this thing, man. And so uh, many of you know she went in, she had double pneumonia. They found out that one of the causes of that was that because she was having difficulty to swallow for the last couple of years because of a hernia. And, uh, and, she, and food was going into her lungs. You know, she had a whopper in her lungs, I guess. I don't know, you know. But, <laughs> but food was going into her lungs. She was aspirating. Food was going into her lungs and causing a lot of infection. And uh, it had been going on for a while because we had noticed the last couple of years she had a, sort of an incessant cough. And she would go to doctors. They said, ah, that's nothing. You just, you know, just a little bit of sinus problems or whatever. So by the time she ended up in ICU, they realized that she had double pneumonia, and it was really, really bad. And uh, so they, they uh, you know, they, they'd been going after that and getting that cleaned up. And, and uh, so she's been doing better with that. Occasionally she'll have a little bit more infection, and they've got to deal with it. But one of the issues was she went through surgery, got the hernia dealt with, had to put a trach in and a feeding tube in her stomach because they didn't want her to eat. They wanted this all to heal up in here. And, uh, and one of the problems this past week that kept Joe from moving forward was that they say a lot of times that when you've been sick for a very long time, your stomach kind of goes into almost a sleep mode, you know, and it, it's not working like it should work. And uh, that's what was going on with Joe. She, she, uh, they were putting food into her stomach, but it was just laying there, and they had to go in and pull it back out. But it was not, it was not working in such that it was processing the food and moving it to her intestines. And so the doctors were saying, they said, well, we're going to have to pull that tube out and do another surgery and put it into her intestines. And Cindy said, no, hold on, hold on. And I love my wife. And she is so bold, so strong, man. I love her. And she told the doctor, she said, give me two days. Give me two days to speak to her stomach. <laughs> and she was telling me this, and I said, baby, man, I just love you so much, man. She said, give me two days. She said, don't touch my mama. But give me two days. And we're going to speak to her stomach. The doctor's like, yeah, okay. But see, she was at the edge of the, the invisible, invisible realm. She couldn't see the stomach operating, functioning. But she said, I'm going to speak to her. I'm going to frame my reality by the words. And so for the next two days, that's all she did. She got her mama speaking. Her mama could barely talk. But there was, they were just commanding, stomach, wake up. Stomach, come alive. Stomach, do what you're supposed to do in Jesus' name. Be the organ you're supposed to be. <clears throat> Two days later, the doctor comes in and says, we, can't under we don't understand this. But, <laughs> but he says, your stom her stomach is functioning now. Stomach is functioning. So, hallelujah. So it's, 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 been a, it's been a good week. It's been a good but. Weak, but you, every one of us, some of you, you're there right now. 
you are speaking into, into the invisible. You're framing your reality. You're framing your reality. And I just want to encourage you in two things. Know that your words are powerful because they're not just your words. Because your words are based upon his word. Amen. Your words are based upon his word. Praise God. And secondly, is this, open your eyes. See a big God. See a great God. I love <clears throat> guy that was just, he changed history. Changed history in the nation of India. His name was William Carey. I don't know if you, any of you ever heard of William Carey. He started off, he was a shoemaker in England. And, uh, and, but he had, he, had, he had a stirring, he had a passion, he had a dream. He, he looked into the invisible and he saw India. But, but he couldn't get any missionary organizations to, to take him because he was, he was kind of weak. And, and they said, you'll never make it. You'll never make it in that type of environment. So you'll die. You'll never make it. But he just kept looking in the invisible. God's called me to India. God called me to change this nation. God's called me to change this nation. And when in, into India, millions of people were saved through his ministry. Not only did the people say, but, but what he did, he, he, I don't remember how many Bible schools, universities that he began. He changed, he translated the entire Bible into the main uh, Indian dialect, and to like 10 others. I mean, I could be wrong on a few facts, but he did an amazing thing. They called him the father, the, the, the father of modern missions, the father of modern missions, because he changed the, 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 the landscape of missions, what he did. Because everybody said, listen, what we see is the impossibility. You're not strong enough. You're not capable. You're not, you're not able. You're just a shoemaker. Be, be, be satisfied that you can make shoes and make a little bit of money. See, the enemy will always tell you, just be satisfied with this. Just be satisfied with this. Don't dream. Don't believe for something more. Just be satisfied for this. But you've got to have something greater on the inside of you. Because God wants to raise every one of us up to be amazing men and women of God and to make an effect. And this, he, he said this one thing I pulled out of one of his books. I love this. And this is what he said because he saw a great God. He had a vision of a great God. He said, expect great things from God. Attempt great things for God. Okay, you didn't get it. You didn't get it. All right. Got to say it one more time. All right. Expect great things from God. The only way we can expect great things from God is that we see a great God. He said, expect great things from God. Attempt, attempt, step out, do something. Attempt great things for God. We never experience great things because we never attempt great things. Everything that I have ever attempted was an impossibility. I'm just telling honest truth, guys. You know, I probably would have been the last person I would have ever picked to do what I've done in my life. But God knew something greater than I ever did. Because my life rests upon his greatness. 
doesn't let it doesn't rest upon my ability. Because man, I've seen I've seen the weakness of my ability. I've seen the lack of my ability. But I want to tell you, over the years, <laughs> of forty years being in ministry, man, over and over and over again, I've seen the greatness of God. I've looked into the invisible. And I just said, God, give me a picture. Let me see you. That's all I need. Just let me see you, Father. Let me see you. I love it. I love it. Job said this, Job chapter 5, verse 8 and 9. But as for me, and you know, Job went through a time in his life that he was bankrupt in everything, lost everything. He lost everything, but he didn't stop. That's what I loved about this man. Even though he was under great pressure and stress and great grief, he never stopped. And he says this, Job chapter 5, verse 8 9, But as for me, and there's a time, I want to just tell you, my friends, there's a time that you've got to stand up and you go say, listen, I'm tired of listening to everybody else. But as for me, as for me, this is what I believe. And this is what Job says, and I love it. But as for me, I would seek God, and to God I would commit my cause, who does great things and unsearchable and marvelous things without number. In spite of what this man went through, what he experienced, what he was experiencing right then, he stood up and he made a decision, and he was on the edge of the invisible and he says, but as for me, I'm going to commit my cause to God. Some of you today, you just need to commit. You need to commit your cause to Christ. Got to do it. And he says, because he, says, he had seen the greatness of God. He said, as for me, he said, I will seek God. I'm going to seek God. I'm going to seek God. I'm going to seek God. And to God, I'm going to commit my cause who does great things. I love this. Just listen to his confession. Listen, look what he's framing for himself. The reality of his invisible that will become visible. He frames this by saying, who does great things and unsearchable things and marvelous things without number. <laughs> wow. Wow. Guys, we had Debbie. I don't know where Debbie is at, baby. We'll, we'll get, we'll, okay, you just real quick, quick testimony, baby. Okay, because see, all of this is built upon God's word. It's built upon what we see Him do. It's built upon testimony. This is a testimony from this weekend. So, uh, yeah. So we were we were comparing notes here because uh, <laughs> pretty much everything He's saying, like exactly what the Lord was telling me to say, and um, I just want to add, if you're taking notes. Um, to listen to the Spirit, but listen to your body. Because, you know, the Lord will speak to you in ways through your body for other people. Because we are the body of Christ, right? And I don't know if you know this, but there's a thing called words of knowledge that God gives you. And when you get a word of knowledge, He's given that to you, but it's up to you to obey. Because He will give you a word of knowledge. And sometimes it comes in the form of a word. Because in First Kings it says, he's, you know, it wasn't through the earthquake it wasn't through the fire. It wasn't through the rain. It was in the still, small voice of the Lord that Elijah heard. So when you hear the still, small voice of the Lord, what are you going to do with it? 
Okay, so my testimony starts out like this. Yesterday we had an opportunity, thank you, Caleb, to invite out the school of ministry, and several people came to me with testimonies as well. But while I was standing there, minding my own business, talking to somebody, somebody had asked me a question, I start getting this throbbing in my, from the back of my, like the calf muscle all the way down to the Achilles tendon into my foot. And I'm like, okay, this is not normal, right? I know I'm getting a word of knowledge. I just know this because it's just as to how God speaks to me. He speaks to me other ways, but it was like I was feeling this thing in my body. And so about that time, this young girl comes over to me. She goes, will you just come over with me and agree in prayer with this man that needs healing? I said, absolutely. So I walk over there, and it's this, uh, this man and this wife. They're sitting down. And as soon as I walk up, there's this brace on his foot. And I'm like, okay, wait. And I look, and it's his right foot. And I'm like, okay, this is cool. <laughs> I know where this is going. So I didn't even ask him anything. I just said, I would love to pray for you. Is there a possibility? He was like, yeah. And they're all standing around him, you know, holding hands and, you know, praying, laying hands on him, which was beautiful. So I just began to speak to his leg. And I said, look, I just want to speak to your leg right now. I said, I feel like there's something going on with your leg. I don't know what's going on. But, you know, I just, do you mind if I lay hands on your foot? He was like, yeah. So I lay hands on his foot and he says, move it down a little further. I said, okay. So I moved it down a little further, and he said that he had no arch in his foot, okay? So imagine the pain that would be shooting up the back of his leg if you had an arch in your foot. And he's in this brace that was lifting his foot up. So I said, um, we command your leg right now to be healed in Jesus' name. We begin to lay hands on him, and he starts smiling, right? And he's just, you know, his face lights up, and I said, you know, this is what we do in school of ministry. I just want to just give you a little practical thing. Would you just do something that you couldn't do before you walked in this tent? He said, yes, ma'am. So he stands up, and he doesn't start walking. He starts dancing, like dancing out of the tent. And I'm like, come on. It was so cool. And I'm like, this is awesome. Well, you know, my faith is being aroused right now. Like, this is cool. All over this little pain in my leg. So I step outside the tent because it was rather loud in there. And, the, the you know, it was mu- loud music. We were having a good time. So I called him out, and I said, look, I said, so cool. I said, so what is your name? He says, my name is Bowie. And he spells it B-O-W-I-E. And I was like, okay. Have you ever gotten a prophetic word before? He was like, well, yeah. I said, well, I have a word for you. And so by then, the school of ministry surrounded him. And I began to get this amazing word about him being a Bowie in the water. And I said, what you are is you are a pillar. And I said, you're, you're there to, so people don't go any further. They know where the boundaries are. And you're standing on, in a place where God has kept you, where you can't, you know, people don't go out because you're there. I said, they, you're, you're the, like the safety net. And he's just kind of looking at me, and I'm like, yeah. And, and so then as he begins to speak, I realize that he's stuttering. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. We're going to pray a little further. I said, do you want that to stop today? And he said, yes, ma'am. And I, so I begin to pray, and I begin to see a vision of him as a little boy and these people that were mocking him and calling him names and, you know, just talking about him. And I said, Lord, we just forgive them right now. We just, we just command this man to speak normal. And I said, as of today, you are no longer stuttering. And he just looks at me. And he was like, okay. Like he was like his faith arose like in that moment. So I just turned and I said, what, what church are you with? Yeah, I don't know you. He says, um, I'm with Fredericksburg Prayer Furnace. I'm like, oh, David Bradshaw, Scott Brasha. You know, we like, we like you. Like we, we're part of you guys. And so like, you know, this is like they're the people that are like had brought this tent to They've been praying over this. You knew this? They've been praying over this. That's my mandate. Keep praying. God will let your prayers happen, right? They will come to fruition. So the last part is I go on, I start praying for other people, and Alan, 
our Alan Ramberg comes up to me. He goes, do you know who you just prayed for? I said, no, I have no idea. He said, I said, he was just a guy named Bowie. He said, he's the founder of the Fredericksburg Prayer Furnace. Like, what? Oh, my gosh, something rose up, rose up in my spirit, and I began to pray for our pastors, and I began to pray for our leaders that we didn't even know yet, and I just stopped, and I said, wait a minute. I'm so tired of the people of God, the men and women of God being taken down with something like an Achilles tendon or a problem with their foot or a pain or even Cindy's mom. You know, I was like, no, the buck stops here. So are you with me on this? We need to pray for our leaders. I'm being serious. This is more than a testimony. It's an opportunity for you to hear the Spirit of the Lord when he is speaking to the church. Because the church, is time to rise up. It is time to rise up and take your rightful place. It was talked about two weeks ago, and I'm not going to stop. Because I'm not going to stop praying till the glory of God hits from heaven to earth. And Richmond, we are called here. If you're here, you're here for such a time as this. Jamie and, and Janet also had testimonies. I don't know if you have time for them, but don't have time. Okay. Well, sorry. We'll get you later. (laughs) But thank you. Thank you for joining us. We appreciate you. And thank you, Pastor Doug. All right. (laughs) We're going to, coming up here in a couple Sundays, we're going to have a Sunday of just worship testimonies. So we can, guys, if you've got a testimony, uh, uh, last month, last month, (laughs) the last week of this month, let's all stand up, okay? As you're standing up, what do you see? We're all, we all are at, at a place we're looking into the invisible. We all are. But it depends what you see. I want us just take a moment and just before the Lord just say, God, I just want to see, God, I, I just want to see you. I just want to see you. And maybe this morning, this is a moment of committing, as Job did, you're committing your cause to the Lord. You're committing your cause to the Lord. And you're putting it in His hands and His, and, and to His ability to do. That's what your faith rests upon. It's His promises, His ability, His truth, His love, His goodness, His, all of those things. Hallelujah. Father, we stand before you today, Lord. God, you have put, I believe you have put greatness on the inside of everyone because you live on the inside of everyone who has confessed you as Christ, as his Lord. Father, your greatness lives on the inside of you. Father, thank you, Lord God, that you would show us who, who we really are because of who you are. God, that we know, Father, that as we rest upon you and we rest upon your faithfulness, God, that, Father, we're not going to cast away our confidence because you say it has great reward. God, we're going to place our confidence upon you and we're going to commit our cause to you right now. So what is it? What is your cause this morning that you need to commit to the Lord? To see yourself putting it upon the Lord Jesus. Whatever your cause is, whatever that thing is that you are believing for, you have hope for, that your faith is the substance of things hoped for, 
but not yet the things that are, which are seen. But God, in you, we can see it. We can see it, Lord God. Father, I just thank you right now. Father, for taking the cause every person, of every person in this room and moving it forward. Just moving it forward, Lord God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just receive it right now. Receive it right now. Through the person of the Holy Spirit. Right now, Father, we thank you, God. We are men and women of great faith. Because you have put what you put in us is always and only great faith. Thank you, God. 